Welcome to 5 Things About. I'm Chris Hatzis. What is zoonotic disease? Why does it matter? Why is it considered important by the World Health Organization? How does the concept of One Health relate to Australia? Puppies and vodka shots, what do they have in common? And finally, are we making any progress? Is a new breadth subject offered by the University of Melbourne a way to make a difference? Today on Five Things About, Michelle Kelso chats with Dr. Simon Firestone, a veterinarian public health epidemiologist, about the cocktail that is zoonotic disease. Today I'm talking at University of Melbourne with Simon Firestone. Simon is a veterinary and public health epidemiologist who develops zoonosis surveillance and investigates outbreaks of foodborne and zoonotic diseases internationally. In layman's terms, that sounds like diseases we share with animals. Does that sound about right, Simon? Yes, that's correct. That's a very good definition of zoonosis. So these are diseases that are naturally transmitted from animals to humans. The World Health Organization released just two weeks ago their 2018 World Health Organization blueprint list of priority diseases. What is that and what does it mean? Yeah, so the World Health Organization, or or WHO, is the global body for health. And yeah, they've released this list of eight diseases that are their priorities for research and development. And the reason they've done that is they've, they've gone through with a tool and worked out what are the diseases most likely to cause epidemics or big widespreading outbreaks in people and which diseases have we got the least sort of insufficient control measures so we don't have great diagnostics for or vaccines or medicines to treat and deal with straight away. So, yeah, they've come up with this list and uh, probably the most worrisome thing but interesting for me in the area I work is that seven out of eight of those diseases are zoonotic diseases. So these are diseases that come out of animal reservoirs. The eighth disease is what they call disease X. So this is this unknown catch-all oh, category. Right. So yeah, I did notice disease X, and yeah. I wondered what that was actually. Yeah, so they've come up with this catch-all because they spent a lot of time worrying about public health emergencies of international concern, and these sort of diseases that come out of wildlife reservoirs. That seventy-five percent of the newly emerging infectious diseases fit into that category. So really, the whole list is focused on these zoonotic diseases. One of the things I did think, getting back to our analogy of, you know, so when we, um, most of us see a puppy, we think, oh, it's so cute. But, you know, but for you, that all might be more of an, oh my God, you know, given that there was a recent outbreak in America that has links to your research. What was the outbreak and how are we linked to it? Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not scared of puppies. <laughs> but, <laughs> it could be. They're just far too cute, really. But, uh, yeah, but I do – I mean, I see the whole picture because of the area I work in. So, like, this list of zoonotic diseases, there's things like SARS, MERS, avian influenza, Ebola, all of these things are on there. There's a lot of, yeah, really worrisome diseases. Absolutely. Now, in the last sort of six to 12 months in the US, there's been an outbreak of Campylobacteriosis. So, this is the most common gastro disease, most common notifiable disease in Australia. Okay. And they had this outbreak in the US associated with puppies, of all things. So, they had 130 people notified as infected and usually we have four to six times up to 20 times as many infected as get notified so that's a much bigger outbreak than it it seems on paper yes yeah true so these people were across 17 states and 23 of them ended up in hospital so they're quite severely ill so 23 to me doesn't really sound like that many 23 out of 17 states yeah the most worrisome thing about this outbreak is that um the Campylobacter strains that they isolated were multi-drug resistant. So these were resistant to most of the common antibiotics that we would use today. So when people go to hospital with these things, we can't really do a lot more Treat than them. just... Yeah, you can just support them. You can't really give them our first lines of defence. So so yeah. when, they, when they traced back and sort of worked out where did this outbreak come from, everyone that was sick 
had some association with puppies, which is really unusual. And then when they looked into that a lot further, they found that the puppies had been fed raw chicken meat and things like that. And the system of how these puppies were raised and distributed around was just puppy a whole... Farms, puppy farms. Puppy they? farms and, yeah. and the pet industry. And yeah. it was just a, a whole system that was probably... You've got uh, puppies sort of at weaning age, so young animals, and the, the, you're stressing them probably at the... the probably the worst time to, to transport them and upset them. And they were getting pneumonia and diarrhea and then having to be treated with antibiotics. And then if you don't Gosh. do that in sort of an appropriate way, if that's just sort of done with blanket throwing antibiotics at things, that's just asking for trouble. And that's what we've seen in that outbreak. So it was a real combination of factors. So uh, so we had an animal involved in humans, but we've also had a system problem and yeah, lots of things going on at once. So. And so you just mentioned One Health. So that is a term that I kind of have heard a bit about. So One Health is all about the health of humans, animals and the environment and how uh -huh. these things are all intimately linked. So all three of them all intimately linked. And if you're going to deal with these sort of complex system problems, you've got to really work together across disciplines and at different levels, like regionally, nationally and locally. All of these things have all got to be done in a, in a really good collaboration, thinking of all the, all the systems all together at once. So yeah, it's a, a way to deal with very complex problems that like avian influenza across Southeast Asia or a lot of the things I work on, they, they, you can't just go in with a single golden bullet like vaccination or something and fix the problem. Usually there's a lot to be solved. You mentioned raw chicken, and that for me also kind of often brings the dreaded sort of wedding reception story around salmonella and people getting unwell from uncooked chicken. And I think you mentioned something about a fantastic vodka shots, or <laughs> there was something that, that we know that students out there will be really interested in. Yeah, this harks back to, yeah, some re when I was a, a master's student, I was sent down to Tasmania to do some um, outbreak investigation of a large salmonella outbreak that was going on. And um, yeah, the reason we were getting called up at the health department at that stage was because people were having birthday parties and then weddings and things like that. And everyone was coming down sick over the following week with salmonella that was quite severe. So the, our sort of job in these sort of investigations initially is really a detective sort of job. It's really yep. quite exciting. Yeah, I know. I love the sound of it. <laughs> and you go out there and you try and pin the story together and you, you know, we got the, the list of what was served at these functions and things and looked into all of that. and Very CSI. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, what was n not very exciting, CSI, was the, the weekend of my life that I spent ringing up sort of a lot of people and talking about their poo over the oh, last week. Oh, lovely. Oh, no. <laughs> but um, that's, uh, this is large. Yeah, it has to happen sometimes. You've got to rule people in and out of whether they got disease yeah. or not. But anyway, what we came to at the end of this was um, everyone that had been sick had consumed some cakes from certain bakeries. And yep. amongst the cakes, we were even able to go further and say it was to do with the cream in the cakes. Oh, wow. And then... That doesn't sound very much like sort of chickens and eggs, but all of a sudden once we went to look at what had happened in the, at the kitchens at the bakeries, there'd been cross-contamination with dirty eggs that had come off one of, the, one of the key farms. So everything was pointing to the one of the major farms in Tasmania. Yeah. The, the district vet went out there and sampled. He did some very intensive sampling across the farm and everything came back negative. So we were right. like, what's going on here? Everything's pointing to the one spot. This went on for a while and there was... The vodka part came in at this point yeah. because there was, there was a promo going on through the local liquor lands in Tasmania where if you went in and had a, a, sh a shot of vodka with a raw egg in it, they'd, um, they'd give it to you for free. Oh. So we had all these young, <laughs> young people coming down sick with salmonella. And, that, and it's not normally young people, is that, is no, that right? Yeah, you so tend to that... get um, – all people are really at risk, but 
the people that will actually get notified as cases or that we'll be aware of are really the people that have the worst symptoms, and that's yes. going to be more the elderly or the younger younger right. people. Right, and so in this case, that was this particular group that which wouldn't have been the elderly and the younger. Yeah, we weren't really expecting that. So yeah, so when we had sort of some uni students that were coming down Crook and they'd all had these vodka shots, or some of them had eaten mayonnaise or things in restaurants that were all pointing to raw egg. Association. So everything yeah. was saying the raw eggs. So Cameron, poor Cameron, had to go back to the farm. Oh. Out he went again and several times, and then he managed to get um, an isolate that was actually identical to what was going on in a lot of the other cases. And we were able to intervene and control that outbreak at the source, which is really what we do. That's where we try and pick this up. So we look for the yeah. reservoir of, of infection and try and control it back there. Just going back to the list that we were talking about before, the blueprint list, when you look at it, what jumps out at you for us in Australia? There's only one of the diseases on that list that's really very specific for, for Australia, and that's Hendra virus, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a disease that's reservoir that spends its most of its time in bats, in fruit bats. Um, it's a problem across Queensland and New South Wales particularly, and then it can move across into horses, it spills over into horses, and then we've uh-huh. had people infected, and a large number of those people have either died or had very, very severe clinical outcomes. So, um, so it's a really Bad disease. Yeah. You yeah, you don't want to get it. Um, so that's that's one disease, but it's not really just the disease on that list. So some of the other diseases, SARS, MERS, Ebola, um, there's there's lots of very bad diseases on that list. But what really jumps out to me yeah, is the number of diseases that are zoonotic, and then yes. amongst them there's quite a lot that we call vector-borne diseases. So these are diseases transmitted by things like uh, mosquitoes or insects and other things. And so what's yeah, what's going on there is as climate change, we start feeling the effects of climate change, we're seeing different patterns of disease. And that's been very noticeable in Victoria, where I, I spent some of my time working with the health department here and the Department of Agriculture as well, like Ag, Ag Victoria. We model when you're going to see outbreaks of Ross River virus, so one of our local um, vector-borne diseases. And really, we've had two of the biggest years in, in history in the last sort of three to five years. And that's really followed these years where we've had major flooding events. If you remember in the last sort of five years, 2010-2011, the summer of 2010-2011 was a major flooding across the Murray-Darling Basin. Mm-hmm. Northern Victoria had massive flooding problem. And then following that, immediately following that, we had outbreaks of Ross River virus in people and horses and other animals. And there was a few other uh, uh, vector-borne viral diseases that also go around at the same time. And then we had the same thing just a year ago, again, after major flooding just just last year. So we're, we're seeing more of these more extreme weather events, and we're also seeing the pattern of the the vector-borne diseases following that and getting worse as well. So it's a yeah, whole complex problem that we're dealing with. You've been involved in a lot of investigations, and so is there anything that we can learn from your experience in those? Firstly, the most important thing is if you want, if you're interested in this area, and it is a really exciting area to work. And I mean, I, I love an investigation. I mean, yeah. it's not great for the people on the other end of it. There's farmers that don't like the side of me because if they see me, they know that means they've got a problem. Really, it's very exciting to try and pull the pieces of these puzzles apart. And then you have to work with a lot of agencies. So that, how to try and solve these problems mm. is is really interesting. And, and it's not straightforward. So it, it does get very enjoyable and exciting to work on these complex problems. Across the board with zoonotic diseases, do you think we're making any progress? Um, locally, in certain areas, we're definitely making progress. We're really understanding a lot of things a lot better, like um, our forecasting work for Ross River virus with the health department is working really well, and um, we're, we're helping them to know when to put out advice and how to get in, in touch with the local councils and make the most impact on people so that they, they know the highest risk periods and do the most about it. 
But then some of the problems we're working with, like if you think about avian influenza across mm. Southeast Asia and Indonesia, mm. you've got all sorts of things going on there. And these are problems that are taking us decades. They've been going for decades and they're going to take us decades to get on top of. So that really means that you're working with a lot of you know, different departments of the UN and then you've got a lot of work happening with governments and other bodies in other countries as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's some of the excitement. Like we get to go off to some pretty cool places. Um, I spent one and a half years of my life over in um, Cambodia in Indonesia working with the World Health Organization and that was investigating outbreaks in the field for avian influenza and it was really exciting times. Um, And now we have really close collaborations with a lot of different groups. So we've recently signed an an agreement to work with the the vet school in Vietnam in Hanoi and also the Department of Agriculture in Vietnam. And the whole idea there is to build One Health projects and capacity Um, around that. And we've actually got a visiting scholar over at the moment that's um, yeah, a, a Vietnamese colleague. And he's got lots of sequences and data from avian influenza isolates from Vietnam. And we're trying to put the story together on how it's moving around in the country. So it's developing risk maps. So it's quite exciting research. It is really interesting. So University of Melbourne have just introduced a breadth subject, which is a collaboration between the Melbourne School of Population and Global Health, School of Vet Science and the Peter Doherty Institute. Why do you think that's such an important step? I mean, it's it sounds amazing to have three such big groups or collaboration make one subject come together. I think just having those three groups, they're three very important groups with different dimensions of the problem. And just the fact that they're so in- engaged in this means it's a everyone's putting in a great effort because they say it's so important. Something else around it is we've got the Deputy Chief Health Officer from Victoria and the Chief Veterinary Officer of Australia are both coming down to launch this subject in um, for second semester in July. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Because they just see this thing as so important to be involved with. So um, I see it as important just from if I go wind myself back 10 years and think about how do you get into this area, you know, it's... If you're doing a degree, it depends what you're in, science, vet science or, or medicine or whatever you're in, where, how do you start down the track of working on these bigger globally issues that are really interesting to work on? And so that's where yeah, this breadth subject, Our Planet, Our Health, is probably is a great starting point because you can start to get your head across quite a few of the broad issues and how we work in this space. So, yeah, that's why I said it's so important. It just gives people pathways to get into this area. Yeah, it's great. So we can see why we're going to find it interesting. So why do you think students will find it interesting? Yeah, I think they can apply... Apart from the vodka. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's some of the anecdotes and stories, but yeah, yeah, every outbreak has a really interesting, exciting story inside to it. And I think it gives students something to work on that is um, going to extend all their specific skills that they're bringing from all the other subjects and and courses they're in. Um, This is how to apply it to really complex worldly issues and and things that they might find really important to work on in the world, like maybe Indigenous health or health in other countries and development, international development. These are the things that you can start using your knowledge to plug it into these problems. So So for me, that really sounds like it's just amazing stories of mystery and detective work to follow, you know, where you're just following the clues to find who the culprit is. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I enjoy most about it. On any given day, I might be working at my computer building a model or analysing some data, or the next day I could be out in the field chasing baby goats around to try and solve the Q fever problems. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you could leave us with? Oh, just these are these are complex problems. We all need to try and work together to try and solve them. And I think we need as many interested, bright, keen people in them as possible. So if you've got an interest in this area, come and get into studying that, that sort of thing and find your pathway into this field because uh, as time advances, we're going to need more people working on our projects. So. 
I must say, I find this subject both interesting and a tad terrifying, I'd have to say. And there really is too much for us to cover in detail today. But thank you so much for joining me here in the studio. Thank you also to our listeners. If you are listening and want to find out more about this new subject, Our Planet, Our Health, it's available as a breadth subject to students across the University of Melbourne. And you can find information on the website for Melbourne School of Population and Global Health or on the website for the Faculty of Vet Science. And really, I mean, at the end of the day, Simon's no doubt going to need some help in the future, and this could be a great start. So we look forward to hearing from you all. Thanks for having me. That was five things about zoonotic disease. Thanks to Dr. Simon Firestone, veterinary and public health epidemiologist. Your host was Michelle Kelso. Audio engineering by Gavin Neighbour. Editing by Arch Cuthbertson. Five Things About is a University of Melbourne co-production created by Dr Andy Horvath and licensed under Creative Commons, copyright 2018, the University of Melbourne. Hungry for more? Nip on over to our big sister podcast, Eavesdrop on Experts. I'm Chris Hatzis. Join us again next time for another Five Things About. <laughs>